Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Libertarian Europe. I'm Lucas Nunes. When we think of governments doing experiments on their own populations, we probably think of terrible regimes, such as the Nazi Germany doing experiments on humans that were sent to the concentration camps, and even China. Under the Chinese Communist Party that has been accused of performing experiments on the people that were sent to their concentration camps. But what if I told you that the British government did secret experiments with biowarfare and chemicals on its own population without any consent of the people? These experiments took place in several places throughout Britain, coastal areas, rural areas and urban areas. The British government, through Porton Down, United Kingdom Science Park, where military research is done, has tested several kinds of biological weapons and chemical weapons, and performed several attack simulations in trains, buildings, entire cities, and even London's underground throughout the decades. Harmful chemicals and dangerous bacteria were released by Porton Down scientists. Unfortunately, the British population was treated by them as mere guinea pigs. At the beginning, the British authorities would only perform their tests on their own personnel. But do not be misled to think that these experiments on their own personnel followed some kind of ethics. It didn't. We are also not talking about soldiers that voluntarily enlisted to join the armed forces. From 1949 until 1963, the national service was mandatory. All able-bodied men, aged between the ages of 18 and 30, were forced to join the army due to mandatory national service. Two million men were called up during this period. 21,752 soldiers would be exposed to dangerous substances since 1916 that we know of. These British soldiers were lied to in order to make them to volunteer for this experiment. Some of them ended up injured and some of them even died in the process. Many of these young men were told the experiments they would take part of were about finding a cure for the common flu and they were even assured by the medical officers that they were at no risk. About 1,500 British soldiers were exposed to nerve agents and around 400 of them to sarin. Despite being asked to reduce the dosage of those dangerous chemicals, portent down scientists kept giving lethal doses of chemicals to the young men. Ronald Madison was one of the victims that we know of. On the morning of the 60th of May of 1953, at 10.17 in the morning, the young Royal Air Force leading aircraftmen took part in an experiment with four other people. Searing was applied to his arms that were covered by the battle dress and topped. Ronald Madison died at 11 a.m. Less than 45 minutes after having the sarin applied to his clothes. 
The United Kingdom's Home Office had ordered his inquest to be held in the strictest secrecy. His father was the only person to attend the inquest, but he was informed that he would have been prosecuted under the Official Secret Act if he informed anyone else, including his family, of the real causes of the death of his son. The official verdict of his death was death by misadventure. His father, John Madison, was paid £40 to cover the funeral expenses. In 2004, a second inquest was opened. It was the longest inquest held in England and Wales, lasting more than 50 days. The inquest jury concluded unanimously that Ronald Madison's case was a case of unlawful killing, but no scientists were charged. The British government, through Porton Down, had no limits, and ethics was unknown to those responsible for performing those experiments. Soldiers were not the only ones that served as guinea pigs, and whose lives were endangered by the government scientists. One of the experiments was the tube experiment that happened in London's underground. According to official documents, experiments in London's underground system happened in 1956, 1963 and 1964. On 1956, Portendown scientists carried out a release of some bacteria of the anthrax family between Tooting Broadway station and Collier's Wood station on the northern line of London's underground. A report of the Ministry of Defence suggests that the elderly or those with respiratory conditions may have been harmed by inhaling the bacteria. Just to contextualise, anthrax is an infectious disease caused by a bacterium called Bacillus anthracis. Once the anthrax spores enter your body by breathing through your skin through some cut or through ingestion, the spores become activated, what can take one to six days. And after that, once they are activated, they produce the anthrax bacteria that start to multiply and eventually causes toxins that cause people to become ill. Inhaled anthrax is quite dangerous, we're talking about 92% mortality rate. In May 1963, the Secretary of State was informed that the ventilation tests, the official coverage for the tests, would soon begin in great secrecy. On July 26, 1963, under the pretext of a routine dust sampling exercise, the London Transport Inn released 30 grams of Bacillus globigii spores from a small box of face powder around midday. Portendown scientists were very meticulous and to avoid suspicion, they added some of the box's original face powder to the bacteria's pores to make sure that it was not smelling something weird. 
the powder box with the bacteria inside was dropped from a window of a moving passenger train on the north line south of Waterloo. The powder with the bacteria inside was dropped from a window of a moving passenger train on the north line, leaving Collier's Wood Station towards Tooting Broadway. Believed to be harmless at the time, Bacillus globigii bacteria are today considered a pathogen for humans. That means it's an infectious agent, especially for people with a compromised immune system. Days later, trainee engineers found high concentration of these pores of the bacteria in the stations where the particles had been released. Other samples revealed that the contamination had spread to a point as far north as Camden Town. Spores had travelled over 10 miles through the ventilation system. Almost everywhere around London, bacterial spores could be identified. Men, women and children in London had become guinea pigs in a field trial in which the government scientists had transformed the London underground into a large-scale lab. The people exposed to these bacteria were never identified or told of the test at a later stage. They are likely to have remained ignorant of it all their lives. If these people were never observed by the scientists and if the government scientists were always trying to get away with the consequences of their actions, who knows how many people could have died or could have suffered from complications because of these experiments. Between 1963 and 1965, another field experiment was made, but this time in Lyme Bay and Weymouth Bay. Both places are located in the county of Dorset and the south coast of England and are not so far from Porton Down. The trial ship, Ice Whale, and a Royal Air Force Devon aircraft were used to release Bacillus globigii, Bacterium aerogenes, and E. coli. Between 90 and 488 litres of bacterial suspension was released in the atmosphere in each trial. The way these experiments were done could easily lead us to think that they were written by Ian Fleming, the author of James Bond. Everything was very secretive. The scientists responsible for these tests in Lyme Bay were disguising themselves as meteorological scientists in order not to expose themselves as biowarfare scientists to the locals that ended up serving as their guinea pigs. The moment documents regarding these tests were placed in the public domain, people began to be concerned about the experiments, which led to the exposure of large numbers of the population of southern England to these microorganisms. With miscarriages, chronic ill health problems and birth defects among children born in the mid-1960s in evidence, especially around East Lowworth, public concern became very high. 
Another time, UK civilians were used as guinea pigs without their consent was during the 60s again, when the scientists of Portendown conducted a series of experiments spraying chemicals in some regions using airplanes. 4,600 kilograms of zinc cadmium sulfide were released from 76 simulations from 1953 to 1964. We are not talking about the conspiracy theory of chemtrails here, we are talking about real experiments that were conducted by the UK government from 1953 to 1964 whose documents were unclassified and now are in public domain. Several big newspapers also reported those experiments and even the UK government website has information about them. Even though on the government website they play down the risks of these experiments. One of those experiments happened in August 1960. The city of Salisbury and its surroundings was sprayed with particles of zinc cadmium sulfide, a chemic that mimics toxic agents. Long-term or repeated exposures to zinc cadmium sulfide may cause harmful effects to the respiratory tract, bones and kidneys, resulting in chronic inflammation of the respiratory tract, osteoporosis and kidney impairment respectively, according to the CDC. While the British government has insisted the chemical is safe, cadmium is recognized as a cause of lung cancer and during the Second World War was considered by the Allies as a chemical weapon. Basically, the experiment consisted of a plane flying through Salisbury in an arc, spraying zinc cadmium sulfide particles for 100 miles, about one pound per mile, and then the team of scientists would be monitoring the air. Even though Portendown scientists are said to believe that the zinc cadmium sulfide would not cause any harm to anybody, they made sure that all their workers wore appropriate protective gear, such as dust masks, respirator kits and even the clothes they used were washed in special laundries. Another curious thing is that the building where they would store the zinc cadmium sulfide was demolished by burning. Unfortunately, we don't know if those reported experiments were all the experiments done by Portendown, as, according to some experts that investigated Portendown, when some experiment didn't go as they expected, they wouldn't create any document about the experiment in question. There were several other episodes in which the British government experimented its own population with chemicals or bacteria throughout the history. The Cold War was a period of crisis, and times of crisis are perfect excuses to break the rules and to violate the rights of other people. Was the government really helping while becoming a monster in the process? In theory, these experiments were done to study how an attack by a foreign nation would happen, but in practice, the British government ended up doing exactly what their enemies would have done to understand what could have happened. Not once, 
not twice, but hundreds of times. People who act in the name of the common good are capable of violating individual freedoms and any right if they believe that they will help a group of people. The road to hell is paved of good intentions. How much can we trust our government? Did experiments of the British government on its own citizens really stop? It is very difficult to know unless there is some whistleblower leaking evidences. Looking at the history of the government, we have a lot of evidences to be suspicious that the experiments with involuntary subjects could be happening right now in several countries of the world, especially now. It is known that other nations like the US and Canada also did similar experiments on their own populations, but what about other countries? Some sources suggest that even in Scandinavia, experiments with the dispersion of zinc, cadmium sulfide happened. Before, we had an era of paternalism. The government knows best. Questioning things and investigating is unacceptable. The national security can't be in danger if you do that. But are we far from that now? Paternalism is the old normal becoming the new normal. Shut up and listen to the authorities, disguised as experts, it's for your own good. It's important to comprehend history in order to protect ourselves from future abuses of people in power. Because it happens, and they truly believe that they are doing that for a good cause many times. So, we have reached the end of this episode. If you like this content, share it with your friends and please subscribe to our channels. You can also support us with some donation at our website, libertarianeurope.com. There you can also find a lot of interesting content, not only in English, but also in other languages. Thank you for listening to this podcast. See you again soon. Stay brave, and most importantly, stay free.